Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm sorry that I couldn't be with you today uh, in person, but um, thankfully we had the chance to pre-record uh, this video, so I still have the chance to share this message with you this morning. So here at uh, Everyday Church, we're currently in a series um, called The Power of Art. And in this series, we've been learning about it. We've been um, exploring uh, and experiencing different art forms. Um, as we've been doing that, we've been, been growing in our understanding of how art can help us and assist us in our journey towards emotionally healthy um, spirituality. And we've been learning why art is important um, in our world and why it is important in the lives of Christians. I'm excited to uh, share with you all today a message in this series that I've titled The Power to Grieve and to Hope. Uh, in this message, I'm going to look at um, the connection between some of the artistic expression that we see uh, in the Bible uh, and connect that to some of the art forms um, in modern society. I'm going to discuss the importance of art and how it relates to um, and challenges in many ways the broken world around us and also why it's important for the church and for us as a church to embrace the arts and to learn lessons from artists in our culture. Uh, before I jump in though, would you all say a prayer with me? Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, come together today and uh, worship you, and remember you. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us. We ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be present and would communicate truth to us in a new way. Lord, I ask that you would help me as I communicate this morning for these words not to be my own, but to come from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before uh, I jump in, I want to show you all this book. Uh, this book is called The Prophetic Imagination. It's by an author named Walter Brueggemann. Um, Brueggemann is, a, is an author and a theologian that uh, we reference often um, at our church that's uh, influenced uh, some of our thinking, some of our theology. And I just wanted to, to show, um, show you all this book and introduce this book to all of you uh, to let you know that um, a lot of my message that I'm sharing today comes uh, out of this book. Um, this book has had a, a large influence on me, on the way that, that I see the world, uh, the way that I um, see and understand Christianity. Uh, but in addition to that, it's also helped me grow in my understanding and uh, in, in, in my value of artists. So um, yeah, a lot of the, the language that I'm going to use, a lot of the ideas I'm going to share, they come directly from this book, The Prophetic Imagination by Walter Brueggemann. There it is again. So, let me set that over here. One of the, the main ideas um, in this book by Walter Brueggemann that he writes about is this idea of the royal consciousness. The royal consciousness is more or less uh, the underlying ideology that shapes the, the perspective, shapes uh, the worldview in the way that everyone uh, in a society tends to see and understand the world and interpret 
things and different cultural events. It's the ideology that's most strongly held on to and forced on to other people by the dominant group in a society. The idea of the royal consciousness is, is all-encompassing. It's, it's a completely um, totalizing force that limits the imagination of people and prevents people from imagining the world being organized socially, politically, economically, in any other way than in its current form. And there's a story uh, in the Bible that, that characterizes uh, this idea of the royal consciousness, and it's the story of the Exodus. Exodus is the, the second book in the Bible, and it's the story of the Israelites who were living and working as slaves in Egypt, being led out of Egypt and into freedom. So um, during this time, there was a ruler named Pharaoh. Pharaoh was um, the ruler of Egypt, and the Israelites were living uh, in Egypt as a minority group. And under Pharaoh's rule, uh, the Israelites were viewed as nothing more uh, to him than a source of labor, a source of free labor. Pharaoh uses the Israelites as slaves to produce more and more bricks, more and more crops. He uses them to produce more and more resources for himself and for Egypt to store up. So much so that Pharaoh built two entire cities that were only built to be cities of storage where they could, uh, where they could keep all of these excess resources that were being created by the labor of the Israelites. The Israelites were living in Egypt without Sabbath, without any rest from their lives of, of constant labor. They were living without hope of a different future, and they were living even without grief of the present reality that they found themselves in. In Pharaoh's Egypt, the social order of everything was built on a foundation and was defined by a lie. A lie that there is not enough. And because of this lie, accumulation of, of things and production by human beings were the only things that mattered. Not the bodies or the lives of people, not the lives of the Israelites. So this social reality of slavery and forced labor was forced upon them and violence uh, was inflicted upon them to force them to accept this place in society, to accept the royal consciousness as truth. The role of the artist and the importance of art in society is to tell the truth. To tell the truth that is contrary to the dominant belief systems and ideologies that shape society. The role of the artist is to provide a counter-narrative that leads to life, that leads to flourishing, that helps to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And there are two main ways that artists do this. They do this through the expression of grief and through the expression of hope. One of the two defining features 
of the royal consciousness is numbness. Numbness toward and even the denial of death and suffering. Of the suffering endured by those that are at the margins. The suffering of those who are victimized by the social order of things. It's a pain that is always ignored. The role of the artist is to express the truth that contradicts the lie. To challenge that numbness by leading people into grief, by helping people grieve the death, grieve the suffering that is faced by so many. In the story of the, the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt, it started with grief. It started with a cry. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, we read, The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. They grieved their situation. They cried. They wept because of their pain. They lamented because of their suffering, and their cries were heard by God. They subverted the power of Pharaoh's empire by not conceding their humanity, their God-given worth. But by crying out, they affirmed their humanity. They affirmed that they were human beings created in the image of God and that they should not be treated the way that they were being treated. Their cries were a statement that they would not accept being reduced to being less than human. The work of the artist is to express this pain, to tell the truth and to share the stories of those that are at the margins, those who are victim to a social order that diminishes the value of people as created in the image of God. And it's through art that we are all able to be brought into a place of grief that shakes us out of our numbness and allows us to admit the pain and the brokenness of our present reality. There's an artist in the Bible that's named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a poet. He was an author. And he's known as a prophet. A prophet is a person who speaks for God, speaks the truth about God. So many generations uh, after the Israelites had left Egypt, they established their own kingdom uh, known as the kingdom of Judah. But as uh, time had gone on, as history continued to pass, uh, generation after generation, the Israelites started to forget who they were. They started to forget what their God had done for them and how their God had established them as a people in covenant with Him. God had a deal with Israel that, that they would live in such a way that honored their relationship with Him and with one another. And if they would live this way, then no one would suffer. God would bless them greatly and everyone would flourish. But the Israelites traded their God for idols. They broke their covenant with God, and in many ways they actually became like Pharaoh in their treatment of one another. 
They fell back into those same patterns and the same ideology of the royal consciousness that was once forced upon them. They created a situation of great pain and inequality and injustice where those at the margins were victimized and taken advantage of. They had become a society that was numb to the pain around them and in great need of a new reality where the love and justice of God could exist. But they were unable to admit to themselves what they had become and who they had become. And it's in that context that God rose up the prophet Jeremiah to go to the people to speak deep truths to them about the unjust society that they had created. Jeremiah's poetry used metaphor to help express the grief of, of the pain and death that filled the kingdom of Judah. God used Jeremiah to wake the Israelites up out of their slumber and to force them to reckon with the current reality that they had created, to break them out of their numbness toward death and suffering, and to help them to feel something once again. The work and the writing of Jeremiah, in my opinion, has a distinct parallel in our world today. The lyrics and the metaphors about the decay the death, the brokenness of society, the suffering of those at the margins. It's similar in many ways to hip-hop. Now, I'm not uh, an expert um, on hip-hop, but I know uh, that it was birthed just a few miles away from here in the Bronx. I know that, that hip-hop is an art form that gives voice to the people who are on the margins of society. It's an art form where those stories are shared and much of the truth about our culture that's outside of the mainstream view, it's where that truth is told. Hip-hop is an art form that's confrontational in many ways and it's, 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 it's an art that's filled with, with story, with stories of grief and lament over the death and violence that is so pervasive in our society. Hip-hop tells a, a story that contradicts what is believed by so many people from the dominant group. It, prevents a, a, it presents a, a version of reality that most Americans want to ignore and pretend doesn't exist. The role that Jeremiah played is in similar in so many ways to the role that hip-hop artists play in our society today. They both express grief over the death that surrounds us and force us to be confronted with reality. They both seek to end our numbness and help us to feel. In addition to uh, numbness. The other defining feature of the royal consciousness is despair. Despair over the present order of things and the belief that the current order, the current social, political, and economic situation 
is eternal and will never come to an end. Despair caused by the belief that the suffering and violence, the lack of humanity, will never come to an end. In addition to, to leading people in grief over death, the other main role that artists play in society is to articulate hope, to use language, to use symbols and imagery to help people imagine a future that is different than the present reality, to present a, a, a version of reality that gives people something different to look forward to. And once again, uh, we see an example of this in Exodus. So after uh, the Israelites had um, escaped Egypt, they were uh, being pursued by Pharaoh and his army. And in chapter 14, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. In this moment, the Israelites were full of despair. They were being pursued by an army and they had nowhere to go. The only way they could imagine this situation ending was in their death. They saw no way that God could save them and they had no hope. But Moses, he spoke up. And in verse 13, he said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Moses spoke up and confronted the fear, the lack of faith, the lack of imagination of the Israelites. He told them that if they stand firm, if they don't falter, but if they trust God, that God will deliver them from their enemies. God will deliver them from the violence that was pursuing them. He told them there's nothing they need to do but to be still and to trust in their God. He spoke a word of hope amidst their despair. And if you know the story, you know what happens next, that the sea was parted, that they crossed the sea. And as the Egyptian army pursued them, the Egyptian army was swallowed up and drowned. God came through and he fulfilled his promise to his people. And he used Moses to speak truth to them, to bring the Israelites a level of hope, to help them to imagine a, a different reality amidst that moment of great despair. There's another book of the Bible, another prophet, who's also defined by this aspect of speaking hope. This prophet is known by the name of Isaiah. 
So shortly after the time of Jeremiah, the Israelites found themselves exiled into a land known as Babylon. The kingdom of Judah had fallen and they were exiled out of their kingdom. They were now living as foreigners in a foreign land amidst great obstacles. They were suffering. They were feeling great pain once again. And during that time, God raised up the prophet Isaiah to speak hope to them while they were in exile, to help them to combat the deep despair that they were feeling and to know that the reality that they found themselves in presently was not eternal. The role of the artist from a biblical perspective is to articulate both the grief that we see in the writing of Jeremiah and also the hope of Isaiah. It's to replace our numbness with grief and our despair with hope. It's through the arts that our imagination is expanded and a more just, loving, and free world is made possible. The role of the church is to build the kingdom of God in this world. And that is what the biblical prophets did and what so many artists throughout our culture are doing today. While artists give language and expression to these ideas, we as the church are called to live them out. We are called to listen, to learn, and to be a group of people that's defined both by our grief and by our hope. We are called to be an alternative community of neighborly love. In my own personal life, I've been impacted and influenced um, greatly by many uh, different artists. And uh, a recent rap album um, that came to mind while I was writing this message, preparing this message, is an album called Championships by an artist named Meek Mill. On this album, there's several songs that lead the listener into a place of grief. Meek Mill shares his story. He shares about the friends that he's had who he has lost to street violence. He shares the, the pain of seeing mothers lose their children. And even the pain that he felt when he lost his own father. He grieves and he cries out about the injustices that are plaguing his community and about all the lives that have been lost. He leads the listener into a space where they can grieve alongside him. He confronts with a true picture of reality, of the suffering that exists in society today. Several of the songs from this album, they echo the painful cries of Jeremiah. And they penetrate the numbness of the royal consciousness. Another artist um, that came to mind is Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar has so much work um, that is prophetic. That leads the listener into both grief and hope. And one of Kendrick's most famous songs um, from the album, To Pimp a Butterfly, is a song called All Right. And in this song, Kendrick paints a, a picture of great pain, of great injustice, and of great violence. 
It's a song that encapsulates Kendrick's lived reality and the reality of so many people from his community and from communities like his around the country and around the world. One of the main themes in this song is police brutality, state-sanctioned violence against people of color, and the pain and the suffering and the trauma that that causes. But the chorus of this song, amidst this dark reality, is a message of hope. A message that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how difficult things become, we will not give in to despair. We will be alright. While the royal consciousness wants Kendrick to accept his lived reality as internal, he defies that. And he asserts that there will be a different future. And in doing so, he echoes the poetry and the work of the prophet Isaiah. The ultimate example of grief and hope can be seen in the life of Jesus. In John 11, there's a, a story where a friend of Jesus named Lazarus had passed away. Jesus traveled to the town where his friend died to raise him from the dead. And in John chapter 11, verse 35, we see what, what many uh, theologians consider to be one of the most important verses in the Bible. And we know it also as the shortest verse in the Bible. It's only two words. John 11.35 reads, Jesus wept. Jesus knew that he was about to heal his friend. He knew that he was about to raise his friend back to life. But even though he knew that, he did not skip over the important stage of grief. Of grieving that true reality that in that moment, his friend was dead. All throughout human history, throughout the history of this country where we find ourselves, for hundreds of years, from hundreds of years ago, all the way to the present day, there are many dead bodies that we have never mourned. As Christians, we are called not to hide ourselves away from the pain and the suffering of the world and pretend that it doesn't exist, but we are called to enter into the pain of our neighbors. We cannot grow numb to the death and the suffering that is all around us, but we must face it. We must press into it. We must admit that it is there and allow ourselves to grieve. And as we do that, as we enter into the pain of our brothers and sisters, as we grieve with those who grieve, we affirm not only the humanity in them, but the humanity in ourselves. However, we know, as we grieve, that death doesn't have the final say. After Jesus wept, he walked to the tomb where Lazarus was laying. 
He told some people to remove the stone that was blocking it. And in verse 43 of John 11, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walked out of the tomb alive. It's in Jesus, in his power, and in his story, in his resurrection, that we have hope. And we are not overcome by despair. Jesus died on a Friday. And on Friday we grieve. But we celebrate on Sunday. Because we know that two days after Jesus died, he overcame that death and was resurrected back to life. We believe in Jesus and in his resurrection. And it's because of his resurrection that we find our hope. And we know that there's a possibility of a better world where death doesn't have the final say. And that's not only in heaven, but that's on earth as well. We acknowledge that truth. And we establish ourselves as a church, as a prophetic community. A group of people, a group of artists based on that truth. We set ourselves apart from the royal consciousness. Each week when we come together, when we take a break from our work, when we sing songs of praise and worship to God, and we do this most symbolically when we take communion and when we remember Jesus, His death and His resurrection, and we enter fully into both grief and into hope. Thank you all so much for letting me share with you this morning. I hope that you all have a great week.